Welcome back to the Armor Men's Health Hour with Dr. Mystery and Donna Lee. Welcome back to the Armor Men's Health Hour. I'm Dr. Mystery, your host, here as always by my amazing co-host, Donna Lee. Donna, you want to tell people how to get a hold of us? Sure, you can reach us during the week at 512-238-0762. You can email us at armormenshealth at gmail.com. You can also send us um, a message through our website, which is armormenshealth.com. Uh, we have four locations in Austin. One's in Round Rock. One's in North Austin. We have one in South Congress now by the William Cannon Corner. And we have a beautiful little location in Dripping Springs by the high school. It's very quaint. It's very cute. Those of, those of you that know me know that I love nothing more than to talk about erections. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and prostate and prostate cancer. Our it's special, really special guest is scared. That's why I have so few friends, actually. I think, but uh, <laughs> but when it comes to men's health, you're always waving your hand at them. That's right. When it comes to men's health, you know what men really want to ask about is about orthopedic issues, and so that's why I try to have as much orthopedic content as I can mm -hmm. uh, because that's kind of like the sugar in the information here. And then I hit you with that cardiology <laughs> stuff and the diet and nutrition. You got to get a little bit of the salt. And then, of course, the frosting is the talking about urology. The, the penis talks. That's right. I got you. <laughs> uh, we're really lucky to have our next uh, our next uh, guest on with us. Uh, this is Joel Hurt with Text Orthopedics. Welcome, Joel. Hey, thanks for having me. Joel and I really uh, became friends over kind of our understanding of how important it is to educate patients about what's going on. And he really said something that inspired me to do this show, which was that we can talk on and on about our field of practice without even any preparation because of all the years of preparation that we had. And just what we could just sit in front of a camera, in front of a microphone and talk about is more information than a lot of people will get in their lifetime. I look at this opportunity to talk to people as an opportunity to treat thousands of patients at once, not just one at a time. And this is the most time that people are going to get with a urologist, really, mm -hmm. many of them. With you here, it's one of the longest times they'll get with an orthopedic surgeon, so I appreciate you coming on. Hey, it's my pleasure. When it comes to orthopedic issues as people are aging, because that's kind of where I'm at, I want to see what's going to happen to the 40, 50, and 60-year-old man. I think knee pain is a big, uh, a big issue. Maybe you could go through some common symptoms that men are going to have when it comes to knee and uh, that type of joint pain. What are some of the complaints and activity limitations they go through? You know, it's really common, like you said, at around 40 that people start coming in and, and having new complaints that they've never encountered before. And usually the, the question to me is, hey, what's happening? Why is this happening to me? This has never happened before. I use it as, I say a joke. I say, hey, your, your warranty runs out around the age of 40. <laughs> oh, that's really but, disturbing. Yeah, it's, yeah and, and it's and people are like, well, I don't want to hear that from a doctor. But it's just true. I just see people come in very commonly, 30 48, 42, 45, all the time with a first presentation of knee pain. And usually in these cases, it's related to some type of early arthritis. You know, in terms of symptoms that people are experiencing when they've got this complaint, obviously it's pain, but they'll have swelling. Um, they'll have stiffness. Um, a lot of times that pain is, is going to be after they've done something. So maybe they haven't been working out a lot. They go and play some sports or uh, play some basketball or just work outside a long time. And then that night, or the next day they wake up and their knee is swollen and painful and they have trouble getting around and they limp for the next few days. And that's going to be more consistent with arthritis? Absolutely. So okay. meniscus tear is going to hurt in the moment or only when you're planning on it. But that, that aching pain that's there, whether you're on it or not, that's delayed onset, really common for arthritis. Okay. Hmm. So if they're having pain during the activity, now you start thinking of something structural, some component of the knee joint that's injured. But arthritis, which is more of an inflammation of the of the components of the knee, is going to happen kind of afterwards. You know, when I'm using the term arthritis, in most cases, when I'm, you're, you're right, technically it means inflammation of the joint. I'm actually speaking in more general terms about osteoarthritis, which is 
fundamentally the cartilage thinning. I so see. the tire tread is thinning on the tire, and that starts to lead to symptoms. Um, and it can hurt during the activity, but it's very. But usually, if it's uh, delayed onset, that's a that's a good indicator to me. So, in addition to arthritis and uh, meniscus injuries, what are some other common kind of structural things in the in the knee that can cause pain? Yeah. So when when people come in, I, I will ask them where they hurt, and a really common place is for people to point to the bottom of their kneecap. So just where their patellar tendon inserts, and they'll almost point to a little smiley face as if you had two dots on the front of the kneecap and that was your smiley face and the, and the smile is where they'll point. That's where the patella inserts under the patellar tendon. That's really common that's a really common diagnosis, patellar tendonitis. I see. So you'll see it with people doing a lot of bending, going up and down stairs, jumping sports, things like that. And so if somebody's tender right there and I push on there and that reproduces the pain, and especially if it doesn't hurt on the other knee, there's asymmetry in the exam, then I feel pretty good without any other diagnostic tools, no MRIs, et cetera, that, hey, we're on the right track. This is patellar tendonitis. And that's very different um, from arthritis. You don't treat it with injections. You don't treat it with surgery. And an MRI is not necessary. This is a overuse, usually type of injury where you treat with stretching, um, maybe you go back and let it rest and go back to a more uh, gradual approach to whatever activity you were doing because sometimes it's just an error in training. So when it comes to patellar tendonitis, which is that pain at the bottom, right where that, right at the bottom of the of the kneecap, correct? You're looking at a non-surgical approach, no injections, right, right. perhaps some anti-inflammatories and kind of taking it easy. How about for a meniscus? So if you're if you're walking or you're running and having pain in your knee when you're running. Yeah. What is the diagnostic consideration? What are some treatments? Usually meniscus tears are going to be on the joint line. So it's on the inner or outer aspect where your femur and tibia come together. And if you push along there, you can find usually a spot that you're like, right here. It feels like a knife right here. And I can push there and reproduce it, or you can push there and reproduce it. That's common for meniscus tear. You can, you can also see that with arthritis, but for meniscus tears, it's also common. And important to know that we don't care that much about meniscus tears unless they are actually causing an issue. Okay. So uh, if you see one randomly on an MRI, you're not going to fix it necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, you very commonly will see meniscus tears. And just like, just like a car accident can be a fender bender or it can be jaws of life, there are grades, there are degrees of tears. And some of them are so subtle. And, I, and I'll get patients fixated on that when an MRI result comes back and they say, well, it says it's torn. I'm like, it's a tiny, tiny little fleck. I'm not even sure it's something real we would see. And, and in addition to that, it's not causing symptoms in that area. That's and important. A, and a lot of times, if they are symptomatic, you can fix them uh, with uh, with scopes and little holes. That's true. That's true. You put a camera in there, and so if you if you fail conservative management, you feel like this is causing the pain, and, and the, the pain is enough to warrant surgery, you can do it through a small incisions. Put your camera in there, and about a 10 or 15 minute operation, trim out. Usually, is what you do. Trim out a small portion of the tear kind of like taking a hangnail off. That relieves the pain very predictably as long as you're correcting your diagnosis. I think probably nothing scares men more than this co- this, this prospect of a knee replacement. Being somebody who's a professional uh, doctor, apparently, but not someone who knows a lot about orthopedics, I kind of get this sense that the wearing down of the cartilage from osteoarthritis is what leads to most people getting a knee replacement. Is that right? That's true. Yeah. And before we get to the point of doing a knee replacement, what are some techniques, strategies, supplements? Sure. What, what's your strategy to kind of avoid a knee replacement or prolong one when somebody's complaining of early osteoarthritis? Sure. So, you know, I go through my, my little spiel when I talk to people, and obviously I tell people the first thing you need to do is consider what are you doing that's causing the issue. So I have people coming in and still training for a marathon, and they've got just, frankly, arthritic knees. And I'm not trying to tell people to stop altogether, but maybe we need to pull back. Maybe we need to do less often or cross-train. Swimming, biking, elliptical, and rowing are all activities that arthritic knees to varying degrees will be able to tolerate better 
than running or, or even walking. People don't understand how much just walking around the block and in the neighborhood can mm-hmm. exacerbate an arthritic knee. Uh, beyond that, obviously, you can use Tylenol and anti-inflammatories. You know, some people like to use um, other uh, more natural treatments like turmeric, for instance. And, mm-hmm. and, I, and I've never used that, but I've had patients have success with it. Um, strengthening the muscles around it can make a difference, especially with early arthritis, getting balance in your muscles. So physical therapy, making sure the muscles above and below the knee are strong. That's right. Trying to adjust your activities to things that cause less potential uh, strain and uh, and trauma to the knee. This is kind of where you're going to go. Do you uh, do you guys or do you personally use anything like stem cell therapy or anything like that in the office? I don't currently. Uh, you know, I just gave a, a talk to a bunch of primary care doctors on that, and the the data on stem cells is is not much better than placebo right now. And when you look at the data, like for instance, people talk about umbilical cells or amb- amniotic fluid or amniotic uh, membranes and getting that. Um, those stem cells from those sources, those are dirty places to start with. So you have to process them. You have to sterilize them. And when you do that, there are studies that show that the cells are all killed. When we talk about stem cells, though, in America, we're talking about taking them out of your spine or out of your fat, and that's how we use them. And, and they're a very small percentage of stem cells in those injections, and there's not good data to show they make a difference yet. Well, Joel, thanks a lot for talking to us about knee pain. Uh, after this short break, we're going to come back and talk about shoulder pain, something that affects me and uh, so many other men. And so, uh, Donna, why don't you take us out? We're going to do an exam right here in the studio oh, no. Dr. Mystery's shoulder. Does he get an exam from me? Yeah. Well, he doesn't want your exam. Oh, you want no, his exam. No, he does not get an exam from me. <laughs> oh, you can reach us during the week, 512-238-0762. You can email us questions, and you can also email Dr. Hurt questions at armormenshealth at gmail.com and visit our website, armormenshealth.com. We will be right back after these messages. The Armor Men's Health Hour will be right back. If you have questions for Dr. Mystery, email him at armormenshealth at gmail.com. Welcome back to the Armor Men's Health Hour with Dr. Mystery and Donna Lee. Welcome back to the Armor Men's Health Hour. This is Dr. Mystery, your host, as always, joined by my co-host, Donna Lee. That's right. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you. Donna, when is going to be your next stand-up? Soon, I hope. I'm shooting for December, but we've been so busy in the clinic that I can't book any gigs thanks to you, Captain Busy Pants. The work is getting in the way of the work Uh, somehow. The work's getting in the way of my dream. For for those of you that don't know, uh, Donna Lee was voted the seventh funniest funniest mom mom in in America America. by by Nickelodeon. By Nick at Night, not Nickelodeon. By Nick at Night? Yeah. Eh, Same family. We're going to have to do a little bit more stand-up here because I think that I have a wonderful set. I'm about three minutes into my... I cannot wait. You keep telling me about it. And then I challenged (laughs) you to open mic night and you said no. That's because I'm a wimp. (laughs) (laughs) This is true. (laughs) So so we're really lucky and fortunate to have uh, on this episode uh, and this session a a wonderful orthopedic surgeon, uh, Dr. Joel Hurt. Hey, uh, welcome back, Joel. Welcome back. Thank you. Uh, So in our previous segment, we talked about knee pain. Mm -hmm. And what I'd love to talk about now is shoulder pain. And I will tell you that when I see somebody that's about to go through a shoulder replacement, I have a little prayer for them. They do hurt. Yeah. <laughs> is, 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 is there anything that you do that hurts more than shoulder work? Mm. 
No, I mean, no, that's definitely up there. Why, why is that? I mean, the shoulder it just feels like right. you can just put it into a sling and it's not going to hurt anymore. I don't know. It's oh, too man. close to the brain. I don't know. <laughs> too close to the brain. <laughs> so when it comes to shoulder pain, obviously when, when I see somebody with limited shoulder mobility, it, it becomes pretty obvious when they can't, you know, and I feel like it's bad that they can't comb their hair or brush their teeth or, mm-hmm. or things. So, so just like we did with knees, maybe you could go through and talk a little bit about when do people first start showing up with shoulder pain? What types of patients have shoulder pain? And what are some common causes? The age groups matter a lot. So let's just stick to like the 40 to 60 range for this mm-hmm. purposes of this conversation. And so when you've got somebody who's got stiffness, for instance, and it's, a, and it's pain, the, one of the first questions to ask is, hey, did this come on all of a sudden? Or has this been a gradual process? So a gradual process is more likely to be either a rotator cuff tear that tore and has gotten worse over time and therefore they've gotten weak and can't lift their arm up and it's gotten stiff, or it's arthritis where the joint is wearing it away. You're getting bone spurs in there. The capsule is getting tighter, less flexible. And so they do this thing, what I, I call an Igor, where their shoulder blade <laughs> comes up when they try to lift their arm up and it doesn't mm-hmm. look very no- natural. Mm-hmm. So those are some long-term things. Short-term, what can cause short-term stiffness and pain? Frozen shoulders are really common entity that is actually really common, but people have never, it's just nobody has heard of it. it. It typically occurs in females. It's the age just between 35, and 80, and we don't understand it well, but it's really got a very set progress of symptoms. So the first phase is inflammatory phase where the shoulder just hurts like crazy. And there's variation there, but I've had patients crying in my office. The second phase is it hurts and it's stiff. And these patients, you know, they hurt all the time. And if they move suddenly, I say, it, I say, did you get lightning-like pain? If you forget your shoulder for a second, reach for a, a gla- glass that's falling over. And they say, yes, and I will just heave there for a second just because the pain's so bad. And then they lose range of motion. They can't, they can't comb their hair anymore. They can't get behind their back. And this can come on in a matter of weeks. All right, so it's not somebody who's progressively worsened over the last five years. You know, two months ago they were fine. Now they're horribly painful and stiff. Mm. And then the last phase, so they're inflammatory, they're frozen phase, and then the last phase is the thawing phase where the pain stops and the range of motion comes back on its own. You don't have to intervene. You just have to diagnose it and give it time. And the whole thing takes a year to a year and a half. This sounds terrible. Wow. Uh, one more <laughs> example of how of why our you're bodies, a of why our bodies can just... <laughs> Just betray us for no reason. Oh, yeah. So frozen soldiers, uh, shoulder scares me, so I don't want to talk about that. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about <laughs> – can you imagine if I had frozen soldier and I couldn't, I, I couldn't operate for two years? Frozen mm-hmm. soldier is different than a frozen soldier. I can't even say the word. Do you understand? <laughs> you don't want your you know, soldier frozen. As a, as a surgeon – People don't rec- realize how much we freak out mm-hmm. about things happening to our hands. Oh, yeah. Mm. At home, if, if somebody has in the dishwasher a knife that mm-hmm. has been put in the dishwasher oh, with the a blade up, mm-hmm. it is like the worst possible oh, thing that can happen. In, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, I, That's why I don't do the dishes, honey. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> I'm going to use that. <laughs> so, Joel, I want to talk about rotator cuff stuff. So sure. joints are, as we think about them, two bones that come together and then some conglomeration of muscles, ligaments, tendons, and capsules and all these th- kind of words that we use together. Mm-hmm. The rotator cuff is is what? It's a set of muscles that, uh, slash tendons that surround the ball and socket of the shoulder. So there's one in front, two on top, and one behind. And the shoulder is an amazing joint, right? Because it mm-hmm. can go up, down, left, right, back, forward, and, mm-hmm. and it has a lot of muscles attached to it. What, what are the common activities that lead to damage of the, of the rotator cuff? First of all, it's it's usually going to be age-related, so you very, very rarely are going to have a rotator cuff tear in a patient younger than 40. And really, hmm. younger than 50 is still rare. 
So if you're 35 and you have shoulder pain, not likely that you have a rotator cuff tear, although people all the time ask, hey, is it my rotator cuff? Beyond that, uh, if, if you are a 50 or 60-year-old and you just fall from standing and you catch yourself with your arm and you can't lift your arm up afterwards, so first I'm going to make sure you don't have a fracture. But if you don't have a fracture on your x-ray, I'm going to give you a week to get better. And if you're not better, you have a rotator cuff tear until proven otherwise in that situation. So you don't have to have a big trauma. You can, As we get older, just like all of our tissues are becoming a little bit more friable, this is this is depressing, obviously, mm-hmm. but you know, you know, you <laughs> think you, you, you think about, <laughs> and you're probably going to have erectile dysfunction too. <laughs> there, there you go, there you go. So just like grandma, her skin tears just when you grab onto it, right, at 90 mm. years old. So our, all of our tissues are deteriorating as we get older. And so as we get to be 40, 50, 60, uh, or more minor falls and, and accidents lead to bigger injuries and, and issues in our body. So to your point, a, a fall just from standing in an older patient, you can get it from overuse. If you're pulling something suddenly and feel it, you, people will say, I, have, I had a tearing sensation in my shoulder. And that oftentimes means you tore your cuff. Mm-hmm. And how are these things fixed? Did you, can you just like sew the cuff back together? Yeah. So the question is, will they heal themselves? That's what people ask. Is it going to heal itself? And the answer is no, it's, it's not going to heal itself. Uh-huh. Um, it's pulled back. And so if you think about your skin, if you have a cut in your skin, we put sutures together to, to pull the skin edges together. And it just holds the skin so it's opposed until it heals, just like a clamp on two pieces of wood until the glue sets. Gotcha. So we suture the bone, we suture the tendon back down to the bone and hold it there until the blood comes in and makes a new attachment. Mm. So that's how we repair it. So a, a rotator cuff tear we're going to have to fix surgically. If you, if you have to fix it. You don't if, have to fix all of them. It. If it gets better on its own, then you're okay. Are rotator cuff injuries related to the need for a shoulder replacement? No, usually not. There's two different types of shoulder replacements. There's a regular or straightforward anatomic shoulder replacement, and there's a reverse shoulder replacement. So when you're talking about arthritis in the shoulder, most of those patients don't have rotator cuff tears. When you have a rotator cuff tear that wasn't fixed, and it's a big tear over years, what happens is that ball and socket are not aligned anymore. The ball is rubbing in a wrong way, and it's kind of like your tire isn't aligned on your car, and so it rubs more quickly the tire tread down. In the same way, your shoulder, the cartilage gets worn down. That's because that rotator cuff is not in there to keep it balanced. And so this leads to a need for, uh, this leads to pain and inability to raise your arm up. That's And that's an indication for a reverse shoulder replacement. So a long time big tear can lead to the need for a type of shoulder replacement, in this case, a reverse shoulder replacement. I hear a lot of patients talk about getting or getting prepared for a reverse shoulder replacement. So it was really nice to hear, you know, what those indications are. Sure. What types of um, non-surgical interventions are available and when are they used? When do we inject a shoulder? I use steroid injections all the time because, again, that's not going to cause the rotator cuff to heal, but it's going to reduce inflammation. And and a lot of times you want to avoid doing surgery because it's small or the the quality of tissue is so poor, you're unlikely to get a good surgical result. And so you try to treat the patient with injections and that can help a ton. And you also can strengthen the remaining muscles. And you would be surprised. I've seen patients who've lost two of their four cuffs and uh, muscles and they can still have their arm out straight out to the side and I cannot push it down. I can't break them. And they're extremely strong and, and they could be pain-free. So therapy is a definite mode that can really help people. It's really a common theme for the knee and the shoulder, which is strengthening the muscles above and below the joint, trying to reduce inflammation, trying to avoid the activities that are ca- causing the injury in the first sure. place. Sure. Joel, thank you so much for joining us. You know, uh, I want to make sure people know how to get a hold of you. You're a physician at Texas Orthopedics. We'll put the information on how to contact you on our Facebook page and our website. Mm-hmm. And I can't thank you enough for joining us today. My pleasure. Donna, why don't you tell people how to get a hold of us? I learned a lot about your shoulders oh, and, and your it's, knees. It's just a scary topic. Thank you so much for coming. We appreciate mm-hmm. it. Uh, we will have that information on our website. I'm sorry, on our Facebook page, Armor Men's Health Facebook page. So check that out. You can find us during the week at 512 238 
you can email us or Dr. Hurt questions at armormenshealth at gmail.com. I'll be sure to get those questions directly to Dr. Hurt or an assistant or somebody who's not as busy as Dr. Hurt. If you would like to send Dr. Mystery a question as well, it's armormenshealth at gmail.com. Our website is armormenshealth.com. And thank you again. That was awesome. And I if you missed so this, much. if you missed this, this broadcast, we are on oh, that's right. uh, We're Spotify, iTunes, uh, anywhere else you get your podcast. <laughs> The paparazzi just chase us down. It's crazy. It's terrible. We're so busy. (laughs) Thank you, guys. We'll be right back. The Armor Men's Health Hour will be right back. If you have questions for Dr. Mystery, email him at armormenshealth at gmail.com.